Okay, we're in the book of Proverbs. We've been studying wisdom and some of Solomon's advice on wisdom and how to be wise. We all need that. And somebody said, we all need that. You too, Eric. I said, especially me. <laughs> I need as much as I can get. So uh, we said already that the fear of God, and Proverbs says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So really understanding and grasping reality and understanding what life is and what uh, where we come from, who we are, why we are here, and where we're going, all has to do with God. And so the, that's wisdom. And if we're going to cut God out of our thinking, then it can't be wise. You have to have God central in your thinking so you can be wise. And then we have talked about taking instruction. You've got to be willing to take instruction to grow. We've got sources for it. And, of course, the Bible being one of our main sources. But uh, we take instruction so that we can be wise. You weren't born wise. Nobody was born wise. All right? We all got to work on arriving there and getting there. And so <clears throat> those are the two basic uh, things that we have about wisdom well, we said quite a few things. We're going to in chapter 5 of Proverbs today. Uh, we start on the same principle. Chapter 5 in Proverbs, verse 1. My son, attend to my wisdom. Bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. You want to say something intelligent. You want to view the world in a discretionary way or that is we uh, comprehend what is. So you're going to have to take instruction and listen to what I say to you. Psalms, Solomon uses his son. Of course, his son was one of the biggest dummies that ever sat on the throne of Israel. He was really foolish. And so you don't have to take the advice uh, but then you take what comes. And so I'm going to drop down to ch verse 15 of chapter 5. There's a couple little sections here that talk about wise living. And these are really unusual. Uh, there's a lot of time spent on one of them, but this first one is really unusual. It's not something that we think about, but we should in this world today. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 15. Drink waters out of thine own cistern. And running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad. And rivers of water in the streets. Only, let them be only thine own. And not strangers with thee. Alright. So he says I want you to drink Water from your own well, from your own cistern, from your own faucets, if you will. Uh, do it from your own well. What does he mean by that? Well, uh, you have a well inside of you. That's what he's saying. You, inside of you, there's a well. And he said, I want you to learn that out of that well, out of that spring or cistern, all right, whatever, how 
however you want to use it, uh, whatever word you want, out of that well uh, is going to come things. What comes out of our well? Well, our thoughts. <coughs> you have thoughts continuously. You are thinking continuously. You're thinking about something. You say, well, sometimes I don't listen to you, but you're thinking about something. All right? We have flowing out of us thoughts continuously. They don't even shut off when you go to sleep. They're still working as you're sleeping. So you have a flow of thoughts that are coming out of you. And what he's saying here is drink from your own well. All right? Or think for yourself. Learn to think for yourself. And if there ever was a need for that, boy, this world is definitely in need of people who will think for themselves. That is, inside of you is a thought process going on. And you got to get a handle on that process. And he says, don't drink from somebody else's well. Drink from your own. Or that is, get your own mind about things and unclog the well. All right? you got stuff in your well and it's clogged up. Get it unclogged and learn to think for yourself. Wisdom thinks for itself. Now, we live in a world where that's getting to be more and more rare all the time. People do not think for themselves. They take whatever they're told, and it becomes everything. I've heard some of the most ridiculous things. This teacher was talking to a class, and she said, I want all you children to know that Cher is one of the most wonderful people in the world. Sonny and Cher, remember that? Cher is a wonderful, wonderful person because she pays for an elephant. Come on. You, and they're telling children that in school. Think for yourself. It's Cher. She's not that great. And paying for an elephant doesn't make her good. All right? And so the whole concept that you would accept that and go tell other people that. You got no thinking mind of your own. I mean, we live in a world where they want to dictate more and more to us how to think. Teach you how to think. This is what I expect you to think, what I expect you to do. And it just doesn't work. I ran into a fellow the other day who was a lawyer. He stood at the door and looked at me and he asked me a question. And before he would come in, he had to put a mask on. I don't care. Do whatever you want. But they don't think for themselves. It's a strange, strange process that we live in a world today where people think less and less. Or they're willing to say, whatever somebody repeats in here, that's what I'm going to say. We don't stand up think for ourselves. He says, you've got to draw out of your own well. You must get your mind to a place where you can think for yourself, make decisions on your own. 
And wisdom will do that. If you're just going to let somebody dictate to you what you believe, they can say anything. And they do say anything. It gets more and more ridiculous as time goes along, what they're telling you to believe. We've got to stop and think for ourselves. Now you say, well, that's, I never heard that in the Bible. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. John chapter 7. If you look at John chapter 7, <coughs> it's Jesus who said it. Jesus is the one who said it. John chapter 7 in verse 37, in the last great, last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, what did he say back in Proverbs? He said, Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad and rivers of water in the streets. Jesus just said, Out of you comes living water, verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. And so he said, If the Holy Ghost is in you, if the Spirit of God is in you, there should be coming out of you something. That living water should be coming out of you. So he says back in Proverbs, you got to learn to think for yourself. You can't let people dictate what you believe. You've got to think about it, decide for yourself. And I grew up in a house where that was pounded into my brain. We do not conform. <laughs> That's what I had at every meal. I sat down to eat and remember, we are nonconformists. We do not conform. But that's what this means. I don't just conform to who, whatever anybody says. I think about it and use my own opinions. And when you get it right, when you get it right, this well that's in us has an endless flow of water coming out of it. And so he says, spread it out. Once you understand how God is related to the main parts of life, what you really need, then let it go, let it come out, let it flow out of you like a river that runs down the street. All right, don't repeat what you hear. And <clears throat> that's a process that I go through regularly. I read uh, commentaries a lot. I have a lot of commentaries on the Bible. And I'll read 10 different authors on Psalm 39. All right? And I think, well, that's the way he says it. That's the way, but how do I say it? How do I communicate it the way my brain works and the way it comes out of my well? Uh. And so I put it into my words. They may be wise. They may say good uh. things. But somehow I got to get till it's me. It's me coming out of my thoughts and my opinions, coming out. And God can do that for us and help us. All right, so here, in a way to live wisely is to think for yourself. Don't let other people dictate your opinions. You have your own, all right, you have your own. As my cousin reminded me, who I just visited, he says, you can always tell a Norwegian, but you can't tell him much. <laughs> Which my wife heartily agreed with, all right? But that's, 
You know, you have opinions, and, and the Bible's encouraging you to think about and have your own opinions, and don't be dictated to, particularly by this world around us. This world is going to get it wrong, I guarantee. And so you got to think for yourself and make decisions on your own. That's right out of the Bible, and Jesus reinforces it. He said, it should be a, a, a well running out of your mouth. You should be giving out these people, helping them to think for themselves. That's a very good thing. All right, next one. Here's another wise, of course, uh, think for yourself. That's number one wise way to live. Become the number two. <coughs> Verse 18. Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as a loving hind in the pleasant row. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Be thou ravished always with her love. And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Here, uh, God embraces as a wise choice woman and man together. It's, it's a fascinating thing when we read the book of Genesis. And it, we read, God created the, the heavens and the earth, and he made the stars and the sun, and he said... That's good. And then he uh, separated the water from the land and the mountains popped out and the plains. And he said, that's good. And then he filled the ocean with fish. And he said, that's good. And then he filled the birds with sky, the sky with birds. He said, that's good. And then he said he covered the place with animal life. And he said, that's good. And then he made a man and put him in a garden. And he said, that's good. He said, everything God made is good. And then God said, well, there's one thing that's not good. There's something not good in that whole thing. He said, what? There's Adam. And he's a amazing specimen of a human first one was really good he's in the garden of eden everything is perfect there he's picking fruit and naming animals and god said nope it's not good he needs a woman he needs a woman we're gonna have to make a woman he said that's not good the way it is we're gonna have to make a woman that he can have a helper and so uh, he says, here's a woman. And Adam said, wow, that's beautiful. I'll take it. All right? And he said, that was a wise thing that God did right in the beginning. He said, a man needs a woman as a helper in life. And that's what he called her. He says, she's a helpmate. Or she's tied together with you. And as soon as God made her, he created marriage. He said, no, you're going to be one. A man will leave his home, and a woman will leave her home, and they'll be joined together as one. He says, so God created marriage. And you better understand that marriage was God's idea, and he never had a bad idea. It was a good idea. It's a wonderful idea. And so he said, here's a wise way to live. The, the, rejoice with the wife of your youth. Be happily married, he said, is a wise way to live. 
All right, now everybody has different experiences, and I know that, but wisdom, he said, can be found by doing it this way. It was God's original purpose, all right, that a man and a woman should be together. So he says, you want to live wisely, then have a good time with the wife that you got. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. And then he compares her to a hind. <laughs> now you may not know what a hind is, uh, but a hind is a female deer. And uh, he calls her a roe. It's got a female deer with young, all right? And she's feeding her young and taking care of her young. So he says, women are like a deer. Now, you say, well, how am I like a deer? Well, we can say some things like they're very graceful and all that, and that's all true, okay? Not every woman is graceful. Uh, but all the ones I know are. <laughs> I'm not stupid. You know? <laughs> and so uh, it's not really that. What it is is uh, there's the ability to nurture that women have. And he's trying to explain it by using the example of a deer. Now, I grew up on a wildlife refuge with a guy that loved uh, wildlife. And we had everything. We saw everything there was to see. And uh, when a bird gets big enough to leave the nest, he jumps out, he flies away, he's on his own. All right, woodchuck gets this big, he's on his own, he goes away, all right? But deer have an amazing ability to care for their young in a way that nothing else in nature quite does. And I've seen examples of it. I was driving to work and I saw a deer. Ha, huh, that's nothing new. All right, I've seen a lot of deer on the way to work. <laughs> but this one was coming through the field and jumped over a fence and came across the road. And I said, Phew, she's over the road. And she stopped and came back. I said, what is wrong with that deer? She saw me come. I only got 24. So. What is that deer doing? And then when I got up close on the other side of the fence, there's a little tiny fawn. He can't go over the fence. She won't leave him. He's stuck. She won't leave him. And so she goes and turns around, puts herself in danger, comes back. She knows in her mind she needs to get out of here. She won't leave him stuck behind that fence. And I'm sure after I got down the road, she jumped over and went a different way. And that very uh, nurturing spirit of a female, of a doe is what we call him, is what he's talking about here. There's something about husband and wife as a nurturing spirit there. And that's, he says, wisdom itself. Uh, one of the most interesting things I saw was a huge doe that lived on Roberts Road where I live. <laughs> and she was huge big, huge doe, and she had triplets, and a couple years in a row, she had triplets. Now, most deer have one, 
and that little one follows them wherever they go. And sometimes they have twins. Uh, but this deer was a huge deer, and she had triplets. A couple years in a row, I saw her with triplets. Now, I'm going down Roberts Road, and I see her crossing. You could tell she's so big. And here comes one, and here comes two. And I said, uh-oh. And I slowed down. And she did the same thing. She ran back over in the bushes and saying, come on, let's go. <laughs> because when you got three, you always want them doing something they shouldn't, right? Anybody got three children? Yeah, yeah. Right? There's always one somewhere doing what they shouldn't. And she went back to get that. And that deer was a nervous wreck because she's always watching all three of them. And it's a real project to watch all three of them, but she would not abandon them. And I saw him several times. She'd be running over here, and I'd see the two. Where's the other one? Well, she'd come back, find him, take him with her. So that... N- Nurturing spirit is what he's saying. This, this wife of your youth will naturally have a nurturing spirit. So love her for that. Love her for that. And why, verse 20, will thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman? Embrace a woman of a stranger. Never mind the other women in the world. You've got the one you need. So stick with it. And that's to be a wise way to live. Because God made it so that man needs a woman. Now, I understand all the situations that come up. And I've seen so many things. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it to you. But it is wisdom itself to find that young lady and... Enjoy that nurturing spirit and stick with her. And just as, as we say in the marriage vows, and forsaking all others, stay only with her as long as you both shall live. That's wisdom. And so here's two steps of wisdom. You've got your own, think for yourself, and you've got your own wife. And that's what you need. You need your own wife. All right? That'll be a wise choice, and you make it as best you can, all right? And uh, I understand people are in situations that wasn't their fault. I understand that. But it is wisdom, if you're, particularly if you're a young person, and you want to be wise. You say, I want to live wisely. There's advice. Just stick with it. Make it work. It's a good thing. One more Uh, A bit of information, verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction in the greatness of his folly. He shall go astray. First of all, he says, there is no place you can hide. There is no such thing as a hiding place where you can sin. It's not a reality. If you think, I can do this thing privately in my own little spot, and nobody will ever know, and I can keep it a secret for the rest of my days, you are deluded. That is not true. Because he says God 
sees everything. So we have no hiding place from God. So if we're going to think about sin, first of all, you've got to realize you didn't get away with anything. God saw it all. There is no place where you can hide from him. All right? So he says, the ways of man are in front of the eyes of the Lord. He's watching. He's watching. That's a good deterrent for you and I to remember. He's watching. The second one, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of sin. Sin creates a bondage. Sin creates a bondage. If we're going to continue in sin, it says it's like a rope, a cord, and it will tie you up and hold you. Uh, we use addiction as an example of that. All right, we see addiction. We say they're, they're stuck. They can't get out. And one of the least successful things I've ever done is trying to get people out of addiction. It's one of the least successful things I've done because they're tied by it. They created it, right? You kept going, you started it, and then you created a habit, and habit turned into addiction. And now you're locked in. And uh, the only person that can cut the addiction is God. He can help. But you're tied there by sin. And uh, you can't get away with it. And so there is no secret place to sin. And secondly, that bondage that sin creates, it holds you really tight. And it really is a, a, something you've got to say, God help me. God help me. And so he said, be careful. Wisdom doesn't get into that situation. Wisdom says, all right, I know God's watching, so I can't just do this thing I have in my mind to do because God will see me. And the second wisdom of it is that if I get into it, it's going to get a hold of me and I'm not going to get away from it. I can't escape it. I can't get away from it by myself. And the third thing that should deter us, he shall die without instruction in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. You're going to avoid instruction. You don't want to hear it. don't want to listen to it. don't want to hear it. I heard of a father who went out and bought heroin for his son because he was trying to help him. It's a bondage. And it's not helping. All right. He, he says, you need instruction. You'll die without it. And there it is. That instruction that we're supposed to be taking, listening to wise advice and trying to make it work in our lives, that instruction says, you better watch it. Sin will always be known because God can see you. Sin will hang you up and tie you up in knots. That's the nature of it. And the last thing is you'll die without instruction. And if you don't get wise advice and wise instruction, you're going to die without it. It says, in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. All right, so three points of wisdom. Number one, learn to think for yourself. Don't let people dictate 
what you believe, get that fountain cleared up, it's inside of you, and get it working right, take things in your own mind, weigh them, understand what's truth, use the instruction you have, and then let that fountain flow out of you to help other people. That's the first wise thing. Second wise thing is the wife who loves you, hang on. You got something good, something the way God wanted it to be, hang on. And the third thing is be careful about sin. It will deceive you, it will take you away, it will tie you up in the end, it will kill you. It will kill you in the end. That's what he says, be careful, watch it, it will kill you. So it's wise living. Three things here in the book of Proverbs, you want to live wisely, the things that you can do. Thank you.